0: This is a Kitty Pod production. Filipino slap fighting with Chris Rock will not be seen tonight, so that we may bring you a program featuring someone else who deserves one right in the mug. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode number 177 of the Keep It to Yourself podcast, the most above-average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullet. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, a theater, plus the imitator, assassinator, baby. I am the power the member the power. Oh, too sweet to be sour, Jack. They call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm your friend. That's right, it's me, Smokey Bear. Gosh, what a neat guy. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Baby, baby. And I'm coming to you yet again from the rolling and now snow-covered hills of Saratoga County, New York. It is the first weekend of March 2023, and believe it or not, we're getting right into springtime. And I've had myself quite the February, so much so I took some time away from the pod because I wanted to tell you all about it. So, here we are. Let's get to the social media here quickly. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at... Keep It To Yourself podcast, and there's also the Facebook page, and there's also email kitypod at gmail.com, the world's loneliest email, so you can get at me that way. Well, this episode's gonna be one big vanity portion, because a lot has happened in the life of one J. Michael Bullet since last he spoke and you listened, and we're gonna talk about a, I would call it a F'd Up February. That's what I call this podcast. Oh, get out of here. Oh, come on. I knew he'd come back. Anyway, let's get right into it, folks. Uh, back the second week of February, I had a Super Bowl party to attend, and it was the first time in three years I got to attend in person, which was really nice, to be honest with you, and got the invite and everything. So it was Kansas City versus Philadelphia, the duel in the desert. I arrived about 6 o'clock in Already, there's problems afoot. Now, this game aired on Fox, and DirecTV's had some beef with them, like much like the last time, so we had to take it to the internet to view the game. Well, unlike three years earlier, and just a few months before COVID, we had a lot of technical snafus that were very difficult to overcome. Thank goodness I had YouTube TV, so kind of spoiled it. Well, it's kind of a... Now, the whole party here, let me back the truck up. This was a, they call a non-Super Bowl party. My hosts not necessarily the biggest sports fans out there, like most of you, I take it, out there in the listening audience. So they said, all right, if you don't want to watch the game, you can stay upstairs. If not, you'll know, sally on down to the furnished basement and the finished basement, and both. You know, you can watch the game down there. Now, they had to use the laptop, to go do the bit with uh, watching the game, you know, project it onto the screen, streaming online. Oh boy, did we have problems. Yikes. I try to, you know, fix the situation myself. I volunteer, oh, watch the game on my YouTube account. Well, it was actually the laptop, the means by which this was going to be aired. So I missed parts of the game, the first half, some of the commercials. Goodness gracious me. So... Some of us had to resort to using our own phones. Thank goodness I had YouTube TV, so I was able to watch parts of the game. Well, I figured, well, there's a problem with spectrum internet or something. I don't know what the deal was. But, you know, for most of the first half, we were able to get a good signal or a good stream, really. And not have to deal with lag time all that much. Now, as for the food, well, had pizza... I try not to overdo it. You know, I was, uh, you know, uh, trying to cut back on my portions and whatnot. So I didn't go absolutely uh, off the wall crazy with the food. But despite all that, I had a good time. I decided to leave after the halftime show with Rihanna and her baby bump. Normally, I just stick around the third quarter, but I'd start overtime at my work because we're starting to get into the busiest time of the year. So I wound up leaving after the second half. As for the game itself, I it was destined to be an instant classic. Trademark ESPN. You know, it was a back-and-forth battle, a second half. Then you had that, like, uh, that's been so long now. We've almost forgotten. Closer to March Madness NCAA tournament than we are the Super Bowl. You see what happened was. <clears throat> there was this, uh, I think it was a pass interference call or something like that. And that generated a lot of controversy in the eyes of some in The media, like the pundits and all that, it ruined what was an otherwise great game. Kansas City sneaks it out against the Philadelphia Eagles. 38-35, your final. Pat Mahomes is your MVP and now a two-time Super Bowl champion. So, good on him, I guess. So, good game. A bad call to kind of ruin it right at the end, but not to say, at least on my end, it was a bit of a shit show as far as trying to watch the game like any normal human being. That I will say. All right, that takes us to the weekend after this one. First one without football until about late August, early September. I'm not counting the XFL the USFL. I'm not going to mess around with those. You know, bah humbugs, all that, even though it's not Christmas time. All right, what were we saying? Yeah, so I just say I'm going to hit the road again, and this time... It was to North Adams, Massachusetts, where a life's adventure took me. And I wound up staying with my dad and his companion at the latter's house in the heart of the northern Berkshires, if you want to call it that. Now, during the week, I got invited for this thing called Winterfest, or I got an invitation too. Sorry for the prepositional trouble. Oh, get on with it, will you? Oh, come on. Jeez. Got a one-man statler in Waldorf. Jeez. Anyway... As I was saying, I got invited out to Winterfest in North Adams, which was like the uh, uh, Chowder Fest or like what they do at Lake George, but way more low key. It is North Adams, Massachusetts, after all. Uh, who's it's, oh, speaking of Chowder Fest, I forgot to mention that. Parking was a bit of a shit show, too. I try to do the paid parking bit at, near the city center so we get to all the big downtown eateries. But my friend Lindsay and I said, well, let's go off the beaten path. We have to because, well, these things are popular for a reason. Uh, so we wound up doing a, well, not necessarily a paid parking lot. It was, um, you know, you just parked for free for two hours, insert your card. You didn't have a ticket in there. All you had to do to get out was swipe your card again and then gate lifts up and you're on your way. So... Went to the Universal Preservation Hall, which used to be a church. Smoked bourbon potato chowder. That was my favorite. Well, you only had one, so I don't know why I want to say that. Went around town. I think the worst came when, uh, I don't know, I think we're at Putnam Den. That was probably the worst there, but I figured, uh, i I, so long ago now. I'm going to say the Lucy's Bar in Fowler Street was my favorite. I forgot what it was now. I don't know why I mentioned it, it was so long ago. Should have recorded this sooner instead of just loading everything up in one episode. My apologies, folks, especially if this is a shorter episode than what you're used to. All right, so back to the lecture at hand. We go to Winterfest in North Adams, and sometime after I get there, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, I barely sit down my bags. My dad's like, uh, we're going to get going here. So we go off, and we decide to have my dance companion's two granddaughters join us. And we walked to their house and they really dawdled around right like five, ten minutes before they actually got out of the house and joined us. All five of us went downtown North Adams, such as it is. And there were some good activities to do. Not a whole bunch, but, you know, just, you know, it was great to be out. Great to be out of the Rolling Hills and into the Berkshires. So we'd go into this commerce building, and they have this craft fair set up. All sorts of vendors. The Girl Scouts, I believe, were doing a fundraiser. The I think the Boy Scout troop was as well, if I'm not mistaken. Again, this was a few weeks ago, so my memory is not as sharp as it was in my younger days. So get in there, do the craft fair, didn't purchase anything. Kind of like a mini farmer's market type of deal. Wanted to get something there, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And then once we leave the building, we're just milling around. You know, my dad's sitting there like, all right, if you want to go, uh, you know, wander over yonder, copyright Nickelodeon, you know, go ahead and do that. So with that clearly in mind, I wound up going into this store called the Berkshire Emporium. And let me tell you something. If you're in your right mind to go to a place like North Massachusetts, Massachusetts someday, I highly recommend this place without any reservations. Man, I'll tell you... <laughs> It's like five, six stores in one. Okay, I could be exaggerating, but you get it. I mean, they have all sorts of stuff there. It's like one-stop shopping. Antiques are there. I mean, as soon as you walk in, you go right past the food section immediately to your right. I say like it's a supermarket, but anyway, you know, we have these unique foods, like artisanal stuff. I was really hemming and hawing between trying to get like this, like, horse aioli thing. You know, if we have a prime rib again, I'm all set. And then you turn right, you go right into like, uh, you can get like pre-owned DVDs, like there's like used books or something like that, sports memorabilia, video games, and like all kinds of stuff there too. In fact, you go down the lower basement, it feels like you're actually in somebody's basement, musty smell and everything. Ooh. That hit my senses like something fierce, let me tell you. So it's kind of like an antique mini mall of sorts, but right in the middle of a small city. And let me tell you, there's some great stuff there. I didn't get anything along the line of antiques or whatnot. There was some stuff that really interested me. I got some stickers like, you know, the old Lowe's Theater, Mohawk Theater, right on the other end of Main Street. They've been trying to rehabilitate that for years, but nothing's really come of it. Hopefully they will do that one day. My dad might be dead by the time that happens, but who knows? You know, Adam Seal uh, sticker. Man, I really clean up there. Also did well with the food, too. I got Cheech Marin's Chipotle Tabasco sauce. Hey, man. You know, Cheech Cheech and Chong. Thankfully, there's no marijuana in it. So I'm hoping. And also, I got to tell you, this is one thing I recommend, too. They had all this old-timey candy, like Zagnut, Sky Bar, Necco Wafers, that whole thing. But what I sold on was not old-timey candy, They're this brand called Hammond's, and they make these unique flavors of candy bars. Now, I've given up milk chocolate because a few years ago, I remember director Kevin Smith suffered a heart attack, and one episode of the now late but really terribly lamented podcast, Hollywood Babylon, Kevin talked to his cardiologist. can I still have chocolate? He says, yeah, you can still have chocolate, but it's got to be dark and no less than 60% cacao. So I'm like, okay, that really influenced how I consume chocolate. So went in there and got this dark chocolate bar, raspberry habanero. Now, habanero is one of the spiciest peppers out there in the world. And I had some of that sometime after I got home. Not immediately, but, you know, days later, broke off some pieces the raspberry flavor is great because the habanero stuff, oh boy, I felt it going down. It was like a three-alarm fire right down in my gullet. I will tell you. So it was still good, though. I haven't tried the chipotle sauce yet because I got other stuff, too, to go on that front. So I'll tell you, Berkshire Emporium, if you're in North Ams, shout out to those guys. Check those guys out, especially if you're into antiquing. They even have a little bakery there if you, you go out past the where the old-timey candy is, and make that left turn. There's a little bakery there. So, back to the whole Winterfest, the big picture. There are some ice sculptures. People were out there sculpting various things. I'll put one of the sculptures as one as my uh, artwork for this podcast. There was also a little fire pit. Somebody from a neighboring fire department in a neighboring town helped out to try and keep the fire burning. There was a horse carriage ride that I took with... Nancy, my dad's companion, and her two granddaughters, all four of us rode around there as a candid shot of me just not looking at the camera, but just admiring the scenery of downtown North Adams, Massachusetts, and a lot of great stuff going on there, man. I had a good time. It wasn't like you know, anything to go at Lake George this time of year, but I really enjoyed it. Dad, Nancy, and I wanted to do the ice castles, but all this mild weather went having. Thank you, climate change. Has really put a damper on that. And the weekend I record this is going to be the last one they're going to have. They didn't have much of a season as far as that goes. So there you have it right there. Now, I was going to go bowling with my friend Tony the day after. But he called me midweek to say, listen, I'm going to be doing a road trip myself. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to postpone. So we did. So I had a nice quiet Sunday at the house until company showed up. And that was it, really. Then we had a bit of a cold wave come through here. Saw my nephew's last basketball game, had the playoff. His team lost, natch. And then we go to the past Sunday here, and I meet up with my friend Tony. So, yeah, I haven't done this in a while. Again, this was pre-COVID the last time we did this. Went bowling at this alley near his apartment in Clifton Park. You know, we say, all right, well, we'll just go in. I knew it was going to be busy because, you know, it's last weekend of winter break for the kids. They go back to school the next day. And we go up to the desk like, all right, uh, we'll get a lane for you, but it's going to be about an hour. I'm like, do you want me to text you? I said, sure, go ahead. So we decided to go into this little uh, restaurant-type place. Thankfully, I get refreshments and try and while away the time until I got a text message saying, all right, we got a lane open for you. So uh, I was showing him stuff on my phone here. You know, just drinking Diet Pepsi. Slung back about good two, maybe three of them before I got the text message. And we went bowling. We had ourselves a time, man. I cleaned his clock in both games. We did a two-game string. You know, I think it was like 82 to 55 I got him. Actually, it was 82.77. It went down to... The last last frame or so, pretty close there. But then cleaned his clock. I got ninety one, nine shy of a hundred. That's probably the best score I've had in some time. So oh, we had a good time. I uh, wanted to go Dutch, but I wound up agreeing to Tony paying for the drinks and me paying for the bowling. Even though we should have done the we should have done it separately. I know that's how it works in a bowling alley. So there you go, right there. Between winter weather, we'll have a few snowstorms in between. Made me happy that. It, i didn't have to take to the rows to go to work i work from home here at bullet house and there you have it right there what a february and now roll on the spring roll on the NCAA tournament and baseball and this and that all right folks we're about to end the show and we'll do that with one more thing but before we do Let's get to the pod shout-outs here. First up, GFA Live, formerly Greens from Allentown. Peter Winston and Keith Langston did a live watch of the episode of WWF Primetime Wrestling from November 22, 1988, just before Thanksgiving, and the first-ever Survivor Series, by the way, where we see Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon on a boat a good two decades before the Lonely Island. You can follow Peter and his podcast at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. Also, check out his YouTube page, too. The Sportscasters Steve Bennett had Eamon Brennan to talk college basketball, and Keith Snow, author of this book about the science of hockey. You can follow Steve and his podcast at Sports underscore casters on Twitter and on Instagram at The Sportscasters. Side Project The 24 Inch Podcast Steve and Dave Rollins. Did Hulk Hogan versus a deceased wrestler, recently deceased, RIP to him, Lanny the Genius Poffo, brother of the Macho Man Randy Savage, whom you've heard recently in parts of my intro every episode of this podcast. So, a way to pay tribute to the great man, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at 24, the number 24 inch pod on Twitter, and on Instagram at 24 inch podcast. Break It Down Show, Pete A. Turner had Blanca Blanco and Jeremy McKeon. Two great episodes there. You can follow the podcast at Break It Down Show across all your social media. And the host of same, Pete A. Turner at Pete A. Turner. The Loyal Littles Podcast, Mark Feinstein, John Craig, and Dan Kilday. Yes, that Mark Feinstein, by the way, too. Ex of the New York Daily News now with MLB.com. Talk to Chuck and Roxy. You can follow the podcast at Loyal Littles Pod on Twitter and the Loyal Littles Podcast on Instagram. And one in 44 from the Anderson Center for Autism down in the Hudson Valley of New York. Talk with Jamie Bishop of the Millhouse Brewing Company. Not Millhouse from the Simpsons, but you know, same thing. Releasing an Anderson Center related beer coming up. Same, I don't drink anymore. I'd have gone down there and give it a good swig. You can follow the Anderson Center on Twitter at Anderson Autism and on Instagram at Anderson Center for Autism. Check those podcasts out. As for this little dog and pony show, you can follow us, you know, and subscribe to us, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, etc. If your podcatcher does not have us available, all you gotta do, one simple fix: copy and paste the pod fee from the show notes. Put it in the podcatcher you're listening to, and bingo, bango, bongo. Those episodes will be available for you whenever it is they come out. If said podcatcher also has reviewing and rating capabilities, be sure to give this podcast a five-star review and a good write-up. Thanks in advance for all of that. All right, folks, we've made it to the end of the show, but... We're going to do one more thing here, and that's something we haven't done in a good long while, and that's the Friday Five. And this is from the TK Little Smart and Funny Facebook page. People sign up for it in advance, and when the time comes, they get to drop five questions. More often than not, they're related. They're not just five completely random questions. I've done this twice in the asking, but now I get to answer the questions. I'm back to that. So Max Mogan, the duty has fallen to him to provide the questions. And I'm going to read them off in order, and I'll go and read what some of the other littles have said. So with that out of the way, the first question Max asks us is, aside from the Friday Five, my favorite Five has always been the Jackson Five. What was your favorite band as a kid? And I wrote down, I really didn't have one, but I would say Genesis, which for a nine-year-old Jason Bullitt, pretty... Yeah, uh, too evolved, I would think. Well, let's see what the uh peanut gallery had to say. Uh Eric Londrigan said, I didn't get into music until I was in junior high, and the band that got me was Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, well, Jeff Flowers had an animated gift, now that you can see it. Run DMC. I like that, man. That's good. Bobby Godfrey, as a little kid, the Beatles, because my dad would play them in my car. As a teenager, I fell in love with Dave Matthews' band. They're still my favorite. Yeah, perennial visitors to SPAC, I'll tell you. Well, Sam Angel said, my parents forced me to watch the Beatles anthology on ABC when it first aired around Thanksgiving 1995. I was 10 years old and had zero interest in the Beatles before, then aside from things like The Birthday Song and Yellow Submarine. But watching that hooked me for life. I remember the following summer, they wound up rerunning that thing. Jamie Julian, wife of the incomparable Robert Berg, said, Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band. I was in love with Bob. So there you go, right there, some good answers. All right, number two, snow fun and snow daring. What is your storming story? And I wrote down, getting stuck while navigating the winter roads of Vermont while in college. All right, well, that was very brief, didn't go into too much detail, but let's see what everybody else said. Eric Londrigan again. Begin again. A blizzard hit during a poker game. My brothers decided to crash at their friend's place. I had to work the next day, so I walked home since I didn't have a ride. It was about two miles and the longest I ever walked in the street without any traffic. People were wiser than you there, fella. Len Goldberg, no doubt whatsoever. The blizzard of 78 in Boston where the area was closed for a week and Dukakis, that's Mike Dukakis, came on TV every night in a sweater calming everyone. The National Guard was called out and the dress were almost as tall as me. How about this? Sam Angel again. We had an ice storm fall by a blizzard in, I believe, 1996. Since there was a layer of hard ice under the snow... My dad and I dug down to the ice and carved out holes in the ice and built our own little miniature golf course. Whoa! wow. Good Lord Almighty. Oh, that's using my tablet. I'm not reading off my phone. I better turn the volume down on this whole deal. Okay. All right. Sam Gordon, no relation to Jeff Gordon or Lee Gordon or Gordon Lightfoot or somebody like that. Sam says, about 20 years ago, we were on a flight from the UK to Orlando, which had a stopover in Maine. U.S. customs requirement meant we had to disembark and clear customs in Maine as it was our first point of contact in the U.S. We disembarked in shorts and t-shirts and sandals to be met with 8 to 10 foot high snow drifts surrounding the airport. Cue lots of people running out through the automatic door, snapping a quick photo in the snow, and then running back in again. <laughs> I th- Wait, hold on a second. I thought I turned the volume down on this. Hold on. Wait a second. Okay, all right, add it. Well, blizzard of 78 getting in there. A lot of, uh, you know, there are two separate blizzards. One affected Ohio, the other affected New England. I mentioned, uh, not, I mentioned Len Goldberg earlier. Greg Smallwood, of the blizzard of 1978 in southwest Ohio. Drove home from college the night before, and it was 52 and pouring rain. Woke up the next morning, and it was snowing sideways. Walked to the grocery s- where I worked, and all we did the first day was play euchre on the front counter. Only customers we had were firemen doing rescue runs in their snowmobiles. Next day, four of us showed up, and we were swamped. Customers came out of the woodwork. Skis, snowshoes, snowmobiles, horseback. Bread truck arrived at 3 o'clock, and not a single loaf made it into the store. Customers paid in advance and just grabbed loaves off the truck. Anthony Beeson said, also blizzard of 78, there was a 10-foot snowdrift outside our back door. Dug a huge tunnel, absolutely loved it. About 10 days off school, it was heaven. Well, blizzard of 78, New England, Steve Tizier says, I moved to Boston in 1979, and all anyone talked about was the blizzard of 1978 and where they were because that was where they spent the next five days. But the best for me was a snowstorm with an inch of ice in the 60s in upstate New York. No electricity for three days and no school for a week, and all the neighbors came to our house since we had a fireplace. Fun memories as a kid. Well, I'm also thinking, well, that was probably one that hit uh, Steve. Oh, yeah, Steve's from my neck of the woods, too. I just found out. All right. Moving on ever so swiftly. Oh, actually, let me read Lee Gordon here. Last week of October 2011, this didn't affect us as much as him. I had gone to my old high school 100 miles away for an alumni meeting and had planned to stick around for the football game. But the weather report called for a storm to hit at around 5 p.m., so I decided to skip the game and head home. Good thing. The storm started about three hours earlier than predicted, and it was just getting going as I returned home. October is a little early in the season for a snowstorm, but that just contributed to the snow being wet and heavy. Lots of tree limbs came crashing down. I lost power in my house for 11 days. Oh, geez, I should have just changed my answer. 1987, when I was four years old, getting near five, we were living in the boonies of Saratoga County. And as such, once the power went out, we didn't get it back till about the end of the week. I should change my answer as soon as I'm done recording. All right, question number three. As soon as I find it here, I don't know where the hell it went. In here somewhere, where are you? Oh, send us away on your best one-week adventure. I wrote down, August 2019, Cape Cod with my sister, her husband, and my nephew. Rented home plus wily Nephew plus overpriced stores equals crazy goodness and repression of sense memories. I don't know why I had that left, last part in there, but there we go. <laughs> Lee Gordon says, May 1985, My brother and I flew to London to meet up with my parents and my sister who had flown there on a different flight. We spent a few days in the city and then traveled up to a little town in the West Midlands called Great Haywood. Where we rented a 60 foot long, 8 foot wide canal boat and spent the next week plying the Trent and Mersey and Shropshire Union canals. Each night we would moor the boat by a canal side pub where we would go for dinner and drinks. Great fun and family togetherness. And now I watch lots of narrowboat YouTube videos. Steve Tizier, we took the three kids, all teenagers, to Colorado Springs for a week. We took the Cog Railway to the top of Pikes Peak and rode bicycles down, did a hot air balloon ride, rock climbed, rappelled down an 80-foot drop, whitewater rafted, hiked, canoed, and did a murder mystery train ride. Such a fun week. I should think so. Greg Smallwood writes down Grand Canyon, plan ahead and work out for weeks before you go. Spend a day at the south rim, then hike rim to rim the next day. The signs say not to do it, but you can if you prepare or are in shape. Spend a day at the north rim to recover and then hike back on the next day. If you plan far enough in advance, you can spend the night at Phantom Ranch on the canyon floor and hike the surrounding area. The views, if you hike the canyon, are breathtaking. Nothing like what you see from the rims. Here's some answers similar to what I wrote down. Kate Milan, shout out the Berkshires, said the beach. That's it. Jolene Wojcik said, Hilton Head Island, you actually relax for a week. I've heard of the place thanks to my sister and her husband. Back in college, they play on the tennis team and they spent spring break down there. And what's another one right here that's uh, something along those lines? i got to find something like that. Jeff Kenton, driving to Wisconsin for a week at the lake. That's it. Well, there you have it, though, folks, for number three. Got two more questions to go. I'm not wrapping this up just yet. Max says, springtime sports and games. Tell us your earliest memories. And I put down playing Challenger League Baseball from ages 9 to 14. And I put a li- link down there for Challenger for the uninitiated. And Jeff Ken says, I remember seeing the Harlem Globetrotters play at the Corn Palace. It's Mitchell, South Dakota. When I was in elementary school. Eric Londergan. Spring baseball to me means Patriots Day at Fenway Park. Wrapping up right about the same time as the Boston Marathon. Len Goldberg. Claire Natola, the moderator, is going to hate me. My first baseball game at the old Yankee Stadium was awesome. Plus, it was the famous game where Jimmy Pearsall kicked the fan and was running at him. That pick was all over the newspapers. Fenway Park is historic, goal, but to me, so was old Yankee Stadium. Jimmy Pearsall, yes, I'm old, lol. (laughs) Uh, There you go. Ron St. Amon, first baseball practice was always great. I could take BP or field grounders all day and never get tired. Dan Babish, in relation to Jen, first baseball games, weekday doubleheader at Old Yankee Stadium in 1962 against the Indians, now the Guardians. I saw Maris hit a homer that day, pulled down the right field line, We are behind the press box in the mezzanine, and I remember Mel Allen coming down the aisle and climbing down to it. Climbing down into it, I should say. Look at this. Anthony Beeson said, My earliest and springtime memory is the month of May 1969 in Indianapolis. I became a Mario Andretti fan that year and was horrified when he crashed his beautiful bright red Lola in practice. No problem. He and his car owner, Andy Granatelli, prepped his backup car an old Brawner Hawk, and drove to victory at the Indy 500. A few years ago, I repainted my ZTR lawnmower in honor of old Mario's car. I'm like, nice. <laughs> now that you can see it. Okay, Lee Gordon again. We got to get some other people in here. I'm glad we have. mixed it up. Lee Gordon says, although I'm more of a baseball and football fan, my earliest memory of a pro sports event was going to the long-gone Boston and Maine Railroad Depot in Manchester, New Hampshire and taking the train to North Station in Boston, which was connected to the old Boston Garden where we took in an NBA doubleheader. You heard right. Back in the 50s and 60s, there were NBA doubleheaders. I'm pretty sure the featured game was the Celtics versus the 76ers, but I can't say for certain who played in the opener. It was probably the Knicks versus the Pistons, but I wouldn't put money on it. This was in the early 60s, and the Celtics featured Kuzi, Bob Cousy, Bill Russell, R.I.P., John Havlicek, Sam and Casey Jones, Tommy Heinsohn, Jim Luskatoff, and possibly even John Thompson. How about that? I should also put it for baseball, even though it took place in the summer, so it doesn't really count toward this question was Reggie Jackson Day at the old Yankee Stadium. Continuing on, Anthony, I have a piano beast, and writes down, I try to replicate IHOP pancakes, International House of Pancakes, by like combining Bisquick with generic buttermilk mix, extra sugar, extra baking powder, and egg and milk. Mmm, Oh, and I also bought some fresh maple syrup off of a Little. Forgotten his name in Little Little's podcast episode number. It is really good syrup. Then Max sent a link. uh says, try this recipe easier than a mix from the New York Times cooking section. So, I've got Save that one right there. I think I'll do that right now. Perfect buttermilk pancakes. Ron St. Amant said, I make lousy pancakes, but I enjoy them with strawberries, banana, and pecans with a nice butter pecan syrup. Don't tell my wife about this. She's Canadian and therefore a maple syrup snob. Jeff Kenton, I made a multi-layered German chocolate cake for my second oldest feminine child. Let's say lessons were learned. Sandra Rhodes, somehow I can make a box cake taste like homemade. Love to bake, hate to cook. And finally, I mean that Jeff Flower says Bumpy Cake. It's a Michigan delicacy, and I must have one for any birthday. But no, I'm not a baker. Okay, I think we'll do one more here. And, okay, Lee Gordon, we'll end with him. I can bake and enjoy doing it. But unless I'm expecting company or need to have something to take to someone else's house, I don't do so very often. My favorite cake is Black Forest. I have half a can of cherry pie filling left over from when I made my homemade chocolate cherry ice cream. Mmm. Shame I gave up ice cream for lint. I was going to make a cherry pie, but I think I'll switch gears and make a Black Forest cake instead. Well, good luck with you there, Lee. And that's it. That's the list. That's the Friday Five. That's the show. And that will also do it for episode 177 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. I thank you as ever for listening. Never take the audience for granted. I'll talk to you next time, whenever that may be. And as always and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Otis lives. Cannibal! Cannibal coming! This has been a Kitty Pod production. Produced in Saratoga County, New York. Shared with the world.